Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Dental Download Podcast. My name is Haley, and I'm your host. For our intro today, I just wanted to give you a little recap of the past week and what's coming up for me this week. And then our main episode is another guest. We have Dr. Teresa Karras, and she is an orthodontist in Chicago working at two different offices. So they do have kind of different practice setups and types of procedures that they do. So it's interesting to hear from her how Invisalign and clear aligners are really changing the landscape of orthodontics from what used to be traditionally mostly brackets. So I think it's going to be a really cool episode for you all to learn more about orthodontics and also get to know Dr. Teresa a little bit better. But for me, this past week was really just spent preparing for the current week that we're going into as you're listening to this episode. Last week, I recorded some extra podcasts. I was helping some pre-dents at my undergrad do some mock interviews before their dental school interviews are all sort of happening now, and then mostly just studying. This week, we have three midterms, I guess two midterms, and a final. So Monday is our next cell bio exam. Wednesday is our biomaterials final, which is pretty nice. There's just two exams. We took the midterm a couple weeks ago, and then we're done with that class for the rest of the semester, so my Wednesdays are going to be a lot more free going forward, which is really awesome. And then on Friday, I have my infection and immunity second exam, and then the following week, we have a couple quizzes, our next SimLab practical, which is on class three preps and composite restorations, and class threes are on your lingual surface, so the side like towards your tongue of your anterior teeth, and we're doing it on the mesial lingual surface of number nine for us. And then we also have our wax up practicals due. So that is more so stressing me out than actual sim lab drilling and filling just because we really didn't get much instruction for the wax ups and we're doing it from home. So it's all just kind of confusing. So I'm hoping to find some good tutorials on YouTube to figure out how to wax up 20, which is a premolar. I've kind of got the incisor down. We have to turn in 20 and 8 for our practical. So Hopefully I can figure those out, but that's pretty much everything happening for me. Just lots of exams, quizzes, practicals, all of that. There's pretty much at least one or two exams or some big project or something every week up until Thanksgiving. And then after that, pretty similar, honestly, until the end of the term. I believe I finished finals on like December 17th or 16th or something. But just going to keep up with YouTube, podcasting, studying, pretty much that's my life. And I hope you guys are excited for the rest of the semester. Again, I would love to hear from you on Instagram about how your semesters are going. Feel free to send me a message or leave a comment or do anything. I love chatting with you all. And I did want to leave some motivation for this week as well. And this week's motivation is actually more of a tip or a strategy. I like to mix those in with just like a standard quote. So this week is going to be a tip and it is to teach when you're studying. I know people say this, but it's something people maybe don't do when you're trying to learn. It's so much better to teach. So when I'm reading through through our lecture slides, trying to study and review them, I read them aloud. And then after that, I try to rephrase it in a way that I think I could explain it to someone. And ideally, you'd be in a study group or with a roommate or someone to say this to. But honestly, saying it to a blank wall when you're studying alone works just as well. So I wanted to share that study tip to maybe motivate you to try a new way of studying or to remind you that you need to be active with your studying to really get the best results this semester. And so without further ado, we will get into that main episode with Dr. Karis. I hope you all really enjoy it. Be sure to check out her Instagram if you do have any questions following the episode, and I will talk to you all in just a minute. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone. So today we have another guest. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Hi, my name is Teresa Karras. I am an orthodontist in Chicago. Awesome. So how long have you been practicing? I've been practicing about a year now. So I graduated last August, mid-August. I traveled for about a month and then I started practicing in the fall. And I mean, considering COVID and about three months of closure, you know, I guess less than a year. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So where did you go for your um, orthodontics residency? I went to Marquette University in Milwaukee, and that is a 26-month program. And um, I went to dental school at University of Illinois, Chicago. Okay. Are you from Chicago area then originally? Yeah, I'm from Chicago. I'm from the North Shore, northern suburbs. So um, I lived in the city for undergrad and dental school. I went to UIC for both. And my parents are about an hour from Milwaukee. It was an easy commute to come back on weekends. Awesome. And then you obviously love Chicago because you decided to go there for work and everything, I'm sure. Yes. Uh, The plan was always to come back. I just never went anywhere else for college or dental school. And I didn't want to go too far. My boyfriend works in Chicago too. And he's kind of set because he, um, he's actually a periodontist. So his, you know, future is kind of set here because he works at his dad's practice. Yeah, that makes sense. You might as well stick around if you guys are liking it and everything. So um, getting into some questions that I had from the people that listen, they submitted them on Instagram and they were all very curious about orthodontics residencies and applying to the specialty programs and everything. So can you talk a little bit about anything you did in dental school to prepare you to apply for your residency? Definitely. So D1 year, I feel like is mostly, at least at my school, you know, anatomy, basic sciences and stuff. And you don't really get to learn too much about all the specialties until D2 year. When um, we got into our orthodontics unit, you know, I went to the predoctoral or yeah, like the predoctoral orthodontic director and expressed my interest. You know, we had an orthodontic liaison position where I can kind of be the mediator between the postgraduate clinic and our clinic and relay information regarding the orthodontic unit. So I would say I mainly express my interest starting then. Um, I think it's important to let people know you're interested and go and shadow the orthodontic clinic as well. Um, it's just nice to show face, show that you're interested and show that you're putting an initiative. I'm not sure about this because I wasn't interested in ortho, so I didn't look at all the dental schools, but do most dental schools have ortho clinics at them or is it not super common? Um, I would say most do. I guess, so there's three dental schools in Illinois. 
And the only one that has an orthodontic clinic is UIC. You know, shadowing definitely helped, expressing your interest. I kept an open mind at dental school. I went in wanting to do orthodontics and knew this is kind of what I wanted to do. But it's important to keep an open mind because if ortho doesn't work out, then, you know, you should be happy being a general dentist. So it's definitely helpful to keep an open mind. The other thing I did was when I was applying I, instead of just shadowing at UIC's ortho school, I contacted some programs I was interested in and asked if I could do like an internship there, which really just involved shadowing. So I went to one other school um, out east because I was thinking about going out east and they allowed a day. So I did that. I had contacted Marquette and they didn't allow shadowing at the time, at least showed interest. Now, I don't know if they would have even remembered me reaching out because when I look back, they get so many applications, but it's important to kind of stand out and, you know, show your interest, not be too shy, get in touch with like the program director, things like that. Do you also recommend trying to shadow at like private practices for orthodontics? Does that help at all with your application or should you mostly be focusing on clinics at dental schools? Um, So I definitely shadowed Um, orthodontic offices for applying to dental school. You know, you you shadow dentists, you shadow different um, specialties that you might be interested in. Maybe because I knew I wanted to do ortho, I didn't really shadow any private practice, but it's definitely helpful. And then if you build relationships from dental school and shadowing, if you find the time to do that, maybe it could eventually turn into a job opportunity or at least getting to know um, some orthodontists personally, maybe they can recommend you to other people down the line, you know, when you do graduate from residency, because it's not super easy to find a job. Mm -hmm. So another thing people were wondering is if they're, they think they're interested in specializing, or maybe they're interested in a few different specialties is the best, like what's the best way for them to kind of narrow in what's the kind of the right path for them? Again, I think shadowing the different clinics, you can shadow different specialties and private practice as well. I think that would actually be really helpful because you get an idea of what these specialties are like in the real world, not just by textbook, what you're learning D2 year. Um, One thing I loved about my program is that there were so many part-time faculty, which meant that maybe they came once a week, every other week, and they were in private practice the rest of the time. So I got to really get to grasp onto all their knowledge and how things work in the real world and just take all that in. So I think that would be pretty helpful. Yeah, that makes total sense. So can you kind of run through the process of applying for orthodontics residencies? I would say like, if you know that you want to apply to any specialty, whether that be GPR or ortho, endo, whatever it is, you know, you have to be a good applicant, like a stellar applicant, right? So if you think there's a chance you might want to specialize, I feel like the number one thing you need to do is make sure you have good grades, right? That's not the most important thing. You know, there are people who match or get into residencies that aren't say like the top 10% of their class or, you know, top five students, top 10 students. You don't have to be it certainly helps and relieves a lot of stress. So I'd say 
you know, trying really hard in school. Don't let me let people call you a gunner or anything. If you're a hard worker, you know, um, I had a fun social life as well. And to that point, you want to also be involved, you know, in the school, in organizations, charity, things like that. There is actually a study out there and it was um, run by the USC orthodontic program. And it, you, you guys can look it up. It has to do with what do people orthodontic residency programs look for in an applicant. And it showed that really it's just a well-rounded applicant. Of course, grades mattered, the interview matters, uh, but in order to get interviews, you have to have a great application. And what that involves is uh, being involved, having a great essay. You know, if you are a great applicant, you know, staying humble. Now, going to apply itself, I there's a list on the AAO website of all the orthodontic programs. So I kind of looked at that and it lists how many they take. It lists the tuition and all this really helpful information. So I kind of made a list of pros and cons about where I wanted to apply. You know, you have to rank yourself what's important to you. Like some people don't care where they go or location. Like I really wanted to be in a big city. I wanted to either be in the Midwest or East Coast. So finding really what is important to you and deciding where to apply is also a big step because it costs a lot of money to apply, but you also don't want to limit yourself. If you're not, you know, an amazing applicant, you want to apply to way more programs, even if it costs a lot down the road. That being said, you also need I believe it's like three letters of recommendation. One thing they probably look for is they would want one from the program director of orthodontics, ideally the postgraduate clinic. Now at UIC, it wasn't really the relationship between the postgraduate clinic um, head of that. She wasn't as close with undergrad. So I got really close with the Um, undergraduate head of ortho. I did research with her, like a research project. They also look for that as well, by the way. So, you know, she got to know me. She wrote a letter. The head of my clinic wrote a letter for me. And then a third was also someone I did research with and got to know me as well. You know, you want someone that can speak highly of you and doesn't sound like a typical letter that anyone else would write for you. I know that was a lot information. but No, it was good. It sounds like a lot of it does kind of mirror the process of applying to dental school initially, like with a personal statement, letters of rec, being involved, good grades. Is there also an entrance exam? I know for oral surgery, there is one, but is there anything you have to take for orthodontics? So it varies with the program. That's a great question. So Marquette, I think, highly recommended or either required. And when they say highly recommended, to me, that means like pretty much require Mm -hmm. unless (laughs) you're lazy if you don't do it. Um, The GRE. So a lot of programs required the GRE. And also at the time, there was the ADAT exam. And that was new my year. Kind of was like a part two boards. So I studied for the ADAT really when I was starting for part two boards, which I took Um, the fall. I don't even remember what year, but I remember it being like in August. Um, Probably the year. Oh, it was the year I did apply. So 
it was weird because I submitted my application. I think I took the ADAP after. It was just like a weird year and only a couple programs required it. And of course, one of them was UIC and another Midwest program I applied to. And I think now they don't really require that exam. But because some programs are pass fail and not ranked, I think they wanted to find a way to, I don't know, be able to match other people against each other. So it totally depends on the program. Yeah, that makes sense. So definitely people similar to also find dental school, you need to do your research on each program to programs, different little requirements. Um, how mm-hmm. many schools, I know you said like apply to more, obviously, if you feel like your application is less competitive, but what's kind of the norm for ortho residencies to apply to? I'm really not sure. I yeah. applied to nine schools, but I felt like that wasn't very many. I don't know, maybe at least 10. I mean, I know some people... Um, at UIC in the past only applied to UIC. They're like, if I'm going anywhere, it's here. And hey, it worked out for them. You know, like wow. you always have your <laughs> at your home school. Yeah. Even if I'm like that confident, I was just like, I'm not, you know, it's a big yeah. risk to take, but if you're not willing to leave, then it is what it is. Yeah. So did you kind of figure out this process just through Googling online through like ortho club at your school through like mentors and like the postdoc clinic. Like how did you kind of find your way with the whole path to orthodontics? Yeah, I definitely asked residents and that's why it's also helpful to shadow. You can get to know residents. They can get to know you. They don't have a big say in like who gets accepted, who doesn't. But like if you do something really stupid or they really don't like you, they'll probably let the department know, you know, during interviews. So Um, It's also an opportunity to get to help them on research. I don't know if a lot of schools do that. Um, So I asked them, but then that student doctor forum, I forget, you know what I'm talking about? Student doctor network. Oh yeah. Yeah. The website. Yeah. (laughs) That a lot, like probably an unhealthy amount that I, cause I'm just like, I'm a very anxious person. I like obsess over things and I'm super over analytical. So I feel like I, went through that, like, and got an idea of when people would hand out interviews because they write them on there. Like, hey, interviews are out for this school. And you're like going to search your email if you got one. So that was helpful in order to kind of learn about some programs and how to be a good applicant. But those are the main things I would say. And then of course, going to um, individual programs, websites, Yeah. Yeah. That all makes sense. Thank you for all that insight. So next I wanted to talk about your actual experience at your program. Once you did go to Marquette, um, what was it like? What were some of the highlights that you really enjoyed? And then also maybe sometimes that maybe weren't what all that you were expecting. Yeah. So you actually learn a lot about programs when you interview there. It's hard to get a lot from their websites or, you know, you hear from word of mouth or you talk to orthodontists that went there. That being said, when I interviewed at Marquette, I just loved the co-residents or the residents at the time. And I was like, wow, this is so, they're so chill. Like everyone's so laid back. They were a great time. And to me that mattered. Like I wanted to get along with people. And of course you don't know who you'll end up with, but I really like that. It's honestly a pretty laid back program in the sense where like grades don't really matter anymore after dental dental school. Like we pretty much had exams for the master's uh, part of the program and you're doing a lot of interdisciplinary things maybe you already learned in dental school um, and some orthodontics to get your master's, at least at Marquette. So it was kind of just like 
something you had to do. The courses weren't like super intense or anything because we only had three full-time faculty um, and the rest were part-timers. So full-time, you're talking mainly are the academic people. You know, at a program like Michigan, you probably have a lot of academic people. They they focus on a lot of research and things like that. Great program. I interviewed there as well, but it's just, it was so different. And I did enjoy how laid back it was. I personally don't love doing lab work, but you have to do that in any program, like make your hollies. Um, We didn't have to make expanders, but I really didn't have any issues there. You know, it was a clinically heavy program. So we got into clinic kind of right off the bat because it's only a two-year program versus some schools are three years. Get right into clinic. And I really enjoyed the experience with all the part-time faculty. And that was important to me too, because I can really learn how they do things in their practice in real life, not just theory and by a textbook. Yeah, that's good that I feel like you definitely found something that was the right fit for you. So that's good that you were able to make that work. So another question that people had, and this could be whether it was times you remember in dental school, residency, or now that you're working, but what do you do on the tough days or days that you feel really overwhelmed? How's your kind of coping mechanism for that? Maybe just like watch TV. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I haven't been like stressed with school in a while. I mean, dental school was hard. Like it was stressful. I'd say D1 year was the most difficult. Um, You know, I'd hang out with friends a lot. I thought it just got easier from there. And then residency just was honestly not stressful at all. Now, when it comes time for like big exams and I took my board exam in February and that was really stressful because it's like high stakes, you know, like even though I'm like, I think things will go well, I just, I get very stressed out. So just trying to take my mind off of it by watching TV, making sure I'm prepared. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's a tough question. I know it's hard. It's like, I don't know. I just try to avoid feeling overwhelmed. I get it. So I know you said that you're working for more of like a startup smaller practice right now. So would you say because of that, it's not too stressful? It's not stressful. You know, I started working in in a weird time with all this COVID stuff going on. It's a startup. It's not super traditional. So I work at two practices. One is a startup that is mainly clear aligners. Um, So I do a lot of consults and less hands-on stuff. Um, because the assistants can put on like, you know, Invisalign or clear liner attachments. So I spend a lot of time actually in front of a computer working up treatment plans because Invisalign or clear liners is very different than traditional orthodontic embraces. You have to think of the case start to finish and plan it that way. Whereas with braces, you can kind of think step-by-step each appointment you come in, what you're going to do next visit. So it's a lot of like mental thinking type thing at one practice and the other practice I'm at is more traditional, a lot of kids. um, And I love doing both. It's a good balance. It's a little slower in general because of all these protocols all the dental offices have to follow about keeping enough time between patients for aerosol reduction and being able to clean. It's not terribly slow. I'm always busy somehow. So another question I had was, at least I'm so early in my dental school journey, I don't fully know the answer to this, but from my understanding, general dentists 
can be certified to do like very basic orthodontics. What made you want to like go for a full, like being an orthodontist versus just like doing more minor procedures as a general dentist? Yeah. So general dentists can technically legally do any sort of dentistry, right? But at least in my dental school at UIC, we never did an orthodontic case. We pretty much did like every specialty, but never ortho. Like we were supposed to kind of be on board with a residence case and mine was Invisalign, but we just kind of went to the visits. Like, you know, you don't really learn ortho. You learn basically how to diagnose and maybe come up with some treatment plans. When people, when general dentists do simple bracket cases or Invisalign, they're learning from CE courses. You know, you're taking two to three years of doing orthodontics only versus just a few hours. This is something I've wanted to do for a really long time since I had braces. I find it challenging, mentally stimulating, and I love that. And I think that unless you're an orthodontist or you focus a lot of your time on orthodontics and Invisalign, you don't truly understand how complex it can be, right? Like if you just see something... And even like a dental implant, for example, what if someone's just like, yeah, it looks so easy, just place it there. It's like, unless you truly do this every day and know the complexity of what it involves and what can go wrong, it's easy to say something like that. So I really enjoy orthodontics and I don't think that, I mean, I know that general dentists can't do do the same job as a specialist can, right? Um, But if that was the case, then general dentists would just be doing fillings all day, right? Like they can do a little bit of everything. There are simple cases you can do with Invisalign and you can learn to do them well, but I still get my general dentist friends ask me questions all the time of like how to set up a clean check or a plan. Yeah, it's kind of like a touchy subject. I feel like with any specialist when uh, general dentists do like a little bit of everything. <laughs> Yeah, no, it makes sense because you're like, I mean, but I understand it a little bit more. I know why this is happening or this possible outcome that could happen. So yeah, I get that. Um, We didn't even fully really go to this question. You just mentioned that you knew you wanted to do orthodontics since you had braces as like a teenager. What Mm -hmm. is kind of your like why orthodontics answer, I guess? Yeah, I always found it so hard to answer for some reason. I think it's just Sometimes it's just inexplicable, but for me, I always had so many questions when I go to my ortho's office, who's a good family friend and she's awesome. Now I also got braces on pretty late, like in sophomore year of high school, because I was a late bloomer. My teeth just didn't erupt until like my canines didn't come in until I was like 13 and they're supposed to come when you're like 11, right? I had four front teeth for the longest time. I had serial extractions, four premolars removed and, you know, I got teased as a kid. So being able to see that shift in confidence was a huge deal to me. And again, I was always like so intrigued by it. But I was also kind of a brat because after two years, I'm like, take these off. I don't want them for prom. I don't want them for college. I did have them for prom. But going into college, I was ready to get them off. And then the more I got into dental school and got even more interested in ortho, there were little things I wanted to fix. So I actually did my own Invisalign in residency and tweaked things a bit. Um, It's also just like the perfect blend of art and science. And sure, dentistry itself has art, you know, cosmetic dentistry, but it's just, it's very 
different than general dentistry. The other thing I love is that I love to, that I get to work with both kids, teens and adults. I love working with kids, but not enough to do pediatric dentistry. Like you get like the bad kids, the crying kids in pedo, but in ortho, it's like everyone's like actually enjoys coming in. Like they're excited for their visits because they know their teeth are moving and they're just super excited to get their braces or attachments off. And it's, it stinks that you don't get the immediate satisfaction of, you know, doing veneers or something like that, but it is life-changing and people appreciate it so much. Yeah, that sounds awesome. It sounds super rewarding. Um, You mentioned, so you have like the two different offices that you work at and they're kind of different work styles and you're doing different types of cases. Could you just kind of briefly talk about like what a typical work day looks like for you? I mean, when I head to work, I usually try to look at cases prior before they come in. If I have time to just get an idea of where we're at, like so for traditional practice, you might not have the time to do this, but when you just pull up the charts Um, You can kind of see what you did last time, what the plan is this time. It's easy to move forward when you are familiar with the patients and their plan and you get to know them with time. But I joined a practice where I didn't start all the cases. So I do have to kind of catch up and look back at the original plan, what's going on and not really miss anything important because the last thing you want are like miscommunications with like parents or patients in general. So I try to keep on um, on the lookout for patient charts and any notes. Now for the practice where I do mainly aligners, I will, you know, sign in and it's pretty much the same as Invisalign. So I'll have notifications that my treatment plans are ready. So like if I see a consult, I will take notes about what I want to do, where I want the attachments, go back to my chair and then plan it digitally and submit it. And then it takes a couple days to get back to me with what I requested, like how I want the teeth moved. And then more often than not, it's not perfect. So you request more adjustments. So you're talking to someone like a treatment planner on the other end. Um, You can go in and manually move the teeth a bit too, but it's a lot of going back and forth with someone that you've never even met before about how you want something set up until you hit submit and then get the case. So that's what goes on behind the scenes. But in a more traditional practice, you kind of hop in from chair to chair. Um, The assistant usually will tie in the patient after you've done your bends or told them what to do. So it allows you to be able to see a lot more patients that way. Yeah. And something that you just said that was interesting that I didn't fully think about is now that like the clear aligners are so like much more common, I guess, like when I was had braces, like whatever, I guess like 10 years ago, most people didn't really use like Invisalign or anything. So it's really kind of changing like the workflow and the process and like orthodontic offices as opposed to like wire braces. Yeah, absolutely. And it actually helps you see more patients. I mean, some offices might see Invisalign checks every 10 weeks, but a lot of that time, the chair time could be used elsewhere. Like you're usually just doing a check like, yeah, it looks great. Or if the aligner isn't fitting, you're like, oh, where did this go wrong? Should we move back in aligners? You know what I mean? You kind of go blind between visits, but actually the company I work for makes you check in and take a photo every day or every week 
uh, with your aligner in to make sure it's tracking, basically fitting. Um, and you can see quite a bit from a photo instead of waiting 10 weeks and then realizing it's not fitting and you're telling the patient they didn't wear them. They're like, I did wear them. And you're like, "Uh Oh, where did all this go wrong? And it kind of delays treatment a bit. Uh, but if you figure out how to really get into your workflow, you can see way more patients and actually see them less. Um, I mean, that's not really why people want to go into ortho to like see their patients less. Like I enjoy building relationships with them, but it does allow you to be able to see more and start more cases. Yeah, that's very interesting. Um, So we're getting close to wrapping up. I just have a couple more questions for you. So what is something, whether it be a positive or a negative, has kind of surprised you now that you're working Um, how important communication is like when you're in dental school or residency, there's a lot that kind of, you just, the front desk takes care of, or like things you don't really think twice about. You don't have to like sell cases to people or have to worry about people starting cases and things like that. But I've just learned so much about how to communicate with people, how to say things a certain way. And it's always a work in progress. And I work with a lot of adults because I do a lot of clear liners. So it's just very different um, than talking to kids or talking to a parent um, because they want to be way more informed about what their treatment entails. Whereas when you um, set up a plan with, kids and their parents, it's like kind of expected they're going to have rubber bands and this stuff. And then when you're with adults, it's like, do you want to wear rubber bands? Like you ask them these questions that you didn't think, you know, would be optional. Like you're kind of taught to treat to ideal and that's just not real life, especially with adult patients. Like you don't always have to correct a class two, um, an adult patient and more often than not, it's super hard to, you know, you just, they're not growing and growth definitely helps. So trying to get away from the mindset of like treating by the textbook is um, a little eye opening. I was kind of prepared for that again, because I had a lot of part-time faculty in residency. So they were definitely more practical and pragmatic instead of theoretical. Thank you. That's a really good point that you made. So I'm glad you brought that up. But um, final question, I like to ask this to everyone. And I know you just literally started working like within the past like year and a half. But um, how do you think dentistry kind of fits in for your overall life goals or like the vision you have for your life, whether it's dentistry related or not? Yeah, I mean, I've always felt it gives you so much flexibility, especially as a woman, maybe ortho specifically as well, is that, you know, you don't have to work five days a week down the road, you can still raise a family, Um, you can still travel and set your own schedule. Obviously, um, you have more flexibility if you're a business owner, and I'm not. But in general, you know, it's not a huge expectation to just always work five days a week. And I think that's important um, for the future for me. So I love to travel. I love to socialize and do things in the evenings with my friends and my boyfriend. Um, So it gives you that flexibility, unlike 
you know, being in the medical profession where, or maybe even oral surgery where you're on call and have um, obligations and emergencies outside of normal business hours, you don't really get that with ortho. And I don't even like to use the word emergencies because like a wire poking is, you know, it's painful and you want it fixed, but there's really not true emergencies in ortho. And if you make people believe that there are, then they're going to bother you at like 10 PM. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Thank you for that answer. So do you have any final thoughts or closing advice that you want to get out to the listeners? You know what? Like if you are already in dental school and you're interested in specializing, I would just say the most important thing is to just be yourself, especially in interviews. You know, it never is helpful to be fake. People will like you for who you are. Um, You can try hard and not undermine other people, not be secretive and, you know, try to get ahead in unethical ways, you know, just stay true to yourself and you will find a program that fits your values and fits, you know, your personality. Thank you. I think that's a really great way to end things. So do you, um, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you if they do have any more questions? Yeah, I just started my professional Instagram account, Dr. Karis Ortho. Um, there's a dot after the doctor. Um, but yeah, I'd say that's the best way. I don't think I have an email linked there right now, but that's fine. Yeah. With my uh, DMs. Cool. I will definitely have it like linked through on my Instagram and then also in the description of the podcast. So thank you so much for talking today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right. So that is the end of our feature with Dr. Karis. Again, make sure you check out her Instagram if you have any follow-up questions or want to follow along on her orthodontics journey and her work life. But I did just want to thank you all so much for listening and let you know that next week's episode is going to be a solo episode all about dental shadowing. So I'm going to draw on my own experiences, give some tips, maybe some do's and don'ts, and also make sure that you're following along on our Instagram because I'm going to be asking you all what topics you want me to answer and what questions you want me to answer during next week's episode. And I'll hopefully also be getting some feedback from my fellow dental student friends and maybe even some dentists about what they did when they were shadowing or maybe dentists, some things they like or don't like when they have student shadowers. So hopefully it'll be a very informative episode and I will talk to you all next Monday.